The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I'm your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 19 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Howdy, y'all. I hope that you are doing well today. I just returned from a practically two-week trip to Texas. Had a pretty good time down there. Um, Choreographing Youth America Grand Prix contemporary solos and UBC, Universal Ballet Competition, World Ballet Competition solos for students in both Houston and San Antonio. It was really nice to get to go back to Houston and revisit uh, one of my old friends who I was an apprentice with in uh, Houston Ballet. Alex Pandicio with Bayou City Ballet uh, to start a school. So I went down there. The last time I was down there, I actually ended up getting stranded at Hurricane Harvey. So um, it was nice to get to experience Houston without all the craziness and flooding. Um, even though the day before I left, it was really crazy in New York. It was bonkers. It was like three blocks away from me, there was like four feet of water on the road. And then like 12 blocks away, 13 blocks away, there were cars floating in. Uh tragic things happen there but i'll i'll leave that out for the too too heavy for an intro <laughs> but yeah so um it was weird that that was like what prefaced me going to uh houston but anyway houston was really good um and then i went and visited san antonio for, for the first time and worked with the dance center of san antonio and got to work with very talented students there so it was a it was a good trip got a lot done um, I feel like I, my, my choreography for solos this year is starting to slow down. I worked with the school in the Seattle area as well, virtually, and a, a dancer from, uh, Steamboat Springs came out from Colorado to work with me. So it's been busy with a lot of contemporary solo choreography at the beginning of this season. Um, and yeah, so now the school year is like going to get started this week. Uh, this coming week, I start working again at Ballet School Stanford and then also with the Broadway Dance Center's children's program. Um, currently, I don't have uh, any like open type classes for the general public um, in New York City, but I'm working on that. It's a slower process than I've wanted to, but I, I really have been feeling like I want to do this on my own. So um, please stay tuned. If you're one of my open class students, I miss you. If you've wanted to take class with me, I would miss you if you've taken class with me, but I hope that I will have some uh, opportunities for you to take from me in the near future. Um, so yeah, what else is going on? Uh, Movement Headquarters got a City Artist Corps grant, um, which is really exciting to put on uh, our outdoor performances of Love Letter. We'll be performing October 8th, 9th, and 10th. I'm pretty sure the 8th will be in Manhattan, the 9th will be in Brooklyn, and the 10th will be in Queens. Um, I haven't picked the parks yet, but uh, Love Letter was our uh, our response to the New York Post article last year that said New York is dead. New York City is dead forever. 
And um, it was essentially our love letter to New York and our homage to all of the amazing things in New York. So we will be holding, uh, Movement Headquarters will be holding performances again October 8th, 9th, and 10th. We'll be putting more information on our website soon or follow us on Instagram, movement underscore headquarters. Um, we'll be sharing all that information. There will be uh, also, there will also be free movement classes for the general public too. So if you want to get your body moving. Uh, as we head into the new school year, um, you can join us for that. Other than that, um, we're also preparing to do preview performances of our Land of the Sweets. It's an immersive nutcracker that I've been workshopping for the past year. I've built all 10 scenes of choreography, and we are currently working on costuming, immersive design, and we'll be uh, announcing when and where those shows will be happening, but it'll be downtown Brooklyn. Um and uh, it's going to be very exciting. We're doing previews this year because we still need time to fully build out the production. But um, it's go- all the choreography is going to be the choreography. Um, and we're hoping that we can build out as much of the like scenic design as we can this year. Um, and then we'll build that into the, the full production next year um, when we have the, the capacity to do that. But I'm so excited for it. We, we just actually presented our last scene. Um, well, we are in the process this month of presenting our last scene uh, of our choreography workshop on Patreon. So if you're curious about checking out on Patreon, it's patreon.com. Um, it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash movement HQ. Um, okay, I think that's all that. Uh, I guess lastly, yeah, just I, I will be touring with Youth America Grand Prix at some point this year. So um, I should be getting that scheduled soon. And I'll let you know what's happening with that. Okay, cool. Intro. Done. Let's move on to today's topic. So while I was in uh, Houston, I was having a conversation with my my friend Alex and uh, we were having the discussion about like a dance teacher versus a dance educator because he was very kind and generous and <laughs> said that you are a dance educator. You are not a dance teacher. And I was like, wow, that's so like thoughtful and kind. And uh, it, it just, I mean, obviously it made me feel very good, but um, I, I put a lot of work into my teaching and um I was just honored that he saw me in that way because he is like an encyclopedia of ballet he is I am nerdy about ballet he is nerdier about ballet it's probably why we're good friends um but anyway so um that conversation kind of inspired me to uh talk today about like what um makes a dance educator versus a dance teacher and I know that sounds kind of like What's the word, the term parsing hairs? I don't know. Um, but it's, uh, it's, I don't think that's a thing, parsing hairs. You know, like taking a hair and then trying to pull the strands of the one hair part. It's like really, really nitpicky. But um, in my opinion, there are many reasons that people become dance teachers, um, but not everybody becomes a, a, an educator per se. Um, for some, it's financial, uh, whether they're still performing. I know that was definitely definitely me when I first started teaching. I... Uh, was freelancing and I was picking up work and then in the pockets in between where I didn't wasn't working I need to make money also you can't dance 52 weeks a year when you perform for a major professional company um your contract actually has pockets of time off and you can they either pay you vacation pay or you go on unemployment so um as a freelancer I had pockets where I had to a take a break uh for, for my body and then b also um there wasn't any work so um it was financial for sure. Uh, 
I mean, and then obviously for others after you retire or if you never had a performance career, um, it's a, it can be a good way to make money to sustain yourself, whether it is a full-time career um, where all you do is go from studio to studio to teach or teach at one school. Um, or I know some people that they have uh, day jobs and they love dance, so they uh, teach in the evenings. Um, so financial need, definitely a thing. Um, for some, it's passion. Um, but yeah, so for others, it's a natural transition out of their performance career. Um, a lot of people say, what are you going to do when you finish dancing? Because as most of you know who are listening, um, a performance career for especially a ballet dancer, but for most dancers ends by the time you're like 30 to 40 years old. Um, so a lot of people will be like, well, what do you want to do? And most people, not most people, but a lot of people go, well, maybe I'll teach. And whether that's like a thought out thing or it's just like a natural like response, um, it doesn't really make a difference. I mean, for, for some, yeah, it's like, I need time to think about what I want to do and I am a dancer, therefore I can teach dance. So I might as well do that while I figure it out. And for others, it's like, no, this is like definitely what I want to do. But, um, yeah, it it often is a natural transition out of a performance career. Um, and then sometimes people do it for a little while and they realize like, it's not for them. Um, others, they love it. And then others, they have like a natural transition into other parts of organizations, um, but yeah, so that is that. And then for others, they are just following the lineage of their home studio. Um, I, I know a lot of teachers who go straight from uh, high school into teaching at their home studio. I got thoughts on that, um, but I don't know if I'm going to get too much into that. We'll see. Um, others, they want to support their community. Um, so say, and that, when I when I say that, it sounds like. I want to support my community by having them pay tuition and then I go in and teach and then I get paid to do it. And then uh, that's me supporting my community. That's not exactly what I'm, I'm trying to say. There's uh, a lot of people don't realize that there are a lot of outreach programs that are part of uh, companies, especially nonprofits. It's a great way for them to get uh, grants to support their company, but also they get to give back to the community. So there are a lot of outreach, outreach programs for underprivileged children and whether that means they can't afford dance lessons, whether that means they live in a rough community or they uh, live in, they have families who don't speak English, blah, 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 this or that. Um, there are a lot of reasons that there are outreach programs um, and they're wonderful, wonderful things because not only do they um, give these kids a chance to uh, engage in our wonderful field, but they also teach them appreciation of the, art, appreciation of the arts, physical fitness, um, they give them an outlet. They offer support and connection and community. Um, so there are a lot of people who end up teaching in that capacity. Um, a lot of them are often even through, like you, you can get a teaching certificate that will allow you to go into like elementary schools. In cities especially, this is a big thing. Maybe not as much in uh, suburbs and rural areas, but in cities, this is a huge, huge thing. Um, so yeah, there, there are tons of reasons that people uh, would might want to become a dance teacher. But just because you're a dance teacher does not, in my opinion, make you a dance educator. Hence me talking about this on this podcast today. Um, so yeah, what would I say are the, <laughs> let me say this as slow as possible. What would I say are the key differences Um between a dance teacher and a dance educator? Well, I I think one of the first ones is method versus syllabus. Um, I mean, first things first, not all teachers dance, not all teachers teach with a syllabus. 
I don't generally follow a strict, strict syllabus. If, like there's one school that I teach at very regularly that I, um, I try to keep in line with their syllabus. Um, and then there's another school that I teach at where there's not a lot of connection and communication between the other teachers. So to follow a syllabus wouldn't make sense. So I kind of do my own version of a syllabus. Um, but yeah, some teachers don't even teach with the syllabus. They just go in and they teach whatever they feel like during that day. Um, or week to week, they sort of just like build on what they're doing, but there's not like a written down like format that they're going to teach things. Um, I do think syllabus helps, um, but I think that your method matters more importantly. Um, method is like the the like the pathway in which you convey information um i like for me my methods i don't even know if i could really explain my method um i'm very like student based like i i try instead of like try just blanket teaching a certain way i try to get to know the individual students in my class even if i have them for one class and i try to talk to them um, and then I try to figure out what will work for them, even if it's one correction, because um, just teaching a syllabus, you're just like giving information. It doesn't guarantee that it's going to like get through to the student. But if you use a method where it's like very student oriented uh, and individually uh like formatted, um, I feel like you're going to have more success because you're looking at the individual versus the whole. A syllabus is kind of like a blanket statement of like what you're going to do and what the students should be able to accomplish. So it, it isn't really a true pathway to educating the students. It's more like these are the things that the students should understand by the end. So how are you going to get them to understand it? It's your method. So I know I've been going on about this, but method truly is going to be what's going to impart like knowledge and education to a student. If um, I think that, that you should have a sense of syllabus because um, it's hard to have a method without a syllabus. I mean, I, it depends also if you're teaching like master classes or like one-off classes. Um, I do that a lot. So it's, it's a bit different, but um you have to have a method whether you're doing it that way or the other way. The syllabus isn't as important when it comes to like teaching one-off classes um, if that's something that you do. But yeah, so following a syllabus doesn't guarantee success. It's just a framework to ensure students build technique in a structural way. Um, so if you would prefer to be an educator, I would start to think like how exactly do you impart information to your students um, and do you do it the same way to every single student do you just offer generalized corrections or do you go up to the individual student and offer spe like specified corrections that are uh, catered ex like exactly to that student um, what else actual physical understanding uh, enhanced by analogies and metaphors and not the other way around. Um, there are some teachers, this happens a lot in the open class community because um, it's different to teach adults than it is to teach students. Um, but there are some teachers that I know, I'm obviously not going to name names, who have an amazing following. And it's because they offer like the most, like the, the richest metaphors and analogies that you and imagery that you possibly could have um and i i sit in those classes and i watch the the teacher impart their 
their information and the students eat it up and they just can see it in their head. Um, but then I watch them dance and they cannot put it in their body. Um, I love imagery. I do it often in classes. Um, but I think that you can teach and offer these ideas, but then when a student is actually really struggling with a step and you, the teacher stops and tries to correct them and it's not working, um, you really need to actually be able to tell them physically how to do it. Um, one of my favorite things to talk about is when like a student is not succeeding at something and I say, well, what do you think you need to do to make this better? And they go, pull up. And I'm like, pull up? Okay, well, how do you pull up? And they go, well, you like lift up and you like try to touch up, touch the sky. And I'm like, okay, but how do you actually pull up? Because that doesn't tell me anything. Um, well, you have to like pull your abdominals in. I was like, no, that's pulling your abs in. That's not going up. What exactly does it mean to pull up? And they go, well, I just don't know. And I go, okay, well, up is up. Um, but we have gravity, which is down. So how exactly do you feel lifted if you um, aren't thinking about gravity and going down? You have to feel your feet pushing into the floor. And through that action, you have to extend out of your joints um, and push down as hard as you can into the floor so that you actually create a, a mild amount of lift. And it's so mild that it's really just barely, uh, you can barely feel it. Um, Everything else is used to support pulling up and the idea of pulling up is it's like a real thing, but you can't teach somebody to pull up by telling them to pull up. You actually have to explain like the physicality of pulling up. You have to push down into the floor with your feet or even if you're laying on your back, push down into the floor so that you create tension down to the earth that allows you to lift your body. So it's in, instead of pulling up, honestly, it, might, it should be lift up or press down to go up. Um, so yes, like I was saying, actual physical understanding enhanced by analogies and metaphors, not the other way around. You cannot teach people through only analogies and metaphors. You have to give them real physical information so that they can put into their bodies and then they'll understand those those analogies, metaphors, uh, Im imagery, etc. blah, 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 more and more. Um, what else makes a teacher versus an educator? Experience versus education. Um, and that's going to, I'm going to probably upset so many people with this episode. But um, I do think education is important, but Okay, here we go. Ballet is a performing art. The reason that it is around is because people perform for other people. Um, and they often are professional and get paid. Um, now, yes, there is a process that you go through as you're being educated where you learn the art of performing when you're not getting paid and you're not a professional. But the, the culmination of dance and ballet is performing for an audience on stage, often a professional format. So... If that is an end goal, you have to teach for that end goal. And it doesn't matter who you are, what your potential is, where you're going, how old you are. Um, if you are teaching an adult anything but to perform on stage, you're not teaching them correctly because there's no other way to teach dance. You have to teach it correctly. And correctly is about uh, anatomy, alignment, structure, um, and uh, execution. And you're, these things are going, they, they are made to be executed on stage. So that's been like the biggest challenge with like college uh, degrees in dance 
where some people like maybe they didn't have the body and they couldn't or they they uh, started late and they go to college and then they become educators only through college and they've never actually had professional experience. I don't want to like put anybody down, but it just kind of I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that process because unfortunately dance is a physical art form and it's like if you can't if you don't figure out how to do it to a, a high level, how do you teach other people to do it correctly? Um, it would be like, uh, what would be a good comparison? It would be like um, moving to another country as an English speaker, uh, like maybe I moved to Russia today um, and I immersed myself in Russian language for like five years and or say four years for a college degree. Um, and I... Still have an accent. Um, I don't have a full grasp of every of, of like the whole language, but I can I can, can I can communicate clearly enough. And I decide I want to be a professor of Russian at a college in Russia. It just doesn't make sense. So again, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but experience over education. Because part of the education is the experience. So I guess that they do work hand in hand. But to not have the professional experience of performing on stage and understanding how what it takes to get there and then to try to teach dance, it's confusing to me. Um, and it, I honestly could do an entire podcast on it. And I'm going to stop myself there because I could go on and on and on. But yeah, so um, definitely need to be educated. But education through experience, not just education through education. You need to teach because you did, not teach because you heard. Um, okay, I hope that no, I hope that I didn't lose like a thousand listeners because of that. There, um, so I'm going to move on. Um, care for each individual versus only focusing on those who think uh, who get things more easily. Um, I remember the first time I like really taught. I um, went and taught for a school and I may have told them that I had a few years of teaching experience and had none, but you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. But, um, I really appreciate the, the director. She, when we were driving from the train station to her studio, um, she said, look, I have some talented students and I have some students, some students that aren't going to have a career, but I expect you to engage with every single one of them. Um, and ever since that day, I have made it an effort to, correct or like physically like correct or give some type of attention to every single student that is in the class in every single class I don't always succeed sometimes if I'm like at a convention there's like a hundred and 150 students in a class but my goal is to try to give attention to each student at least once during class um and it doesn't matter if everybody has potential because um everybody has potential to become uh, a ticket buyer um, and sit in the audience um, and support the arts. Everybody has the potential to uh, want to support dance companies. Um, everybody has the potential to uh, be inspired to have a career that supports dancers. Um, and then, of course, everybody has the, not everybody, but some people have the opportunity to uh, be inspired to become dancers. Um, so I think that an educator truly looks at everybody as having some type of potential. Um, and not just looking at those with the potential to have a career as being the, 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 
direction for their their attention in class. Um, so I think that that is also important as an educator to really think of everybody else, uh, everybody, not just the students that could have a career. Um, what else? Goal-oriented classes versus dancing to feel good. I hate dancing to feel good. I think it feels good if you dance well. Um, so an educator will have a purpose when they come into class that they're trying to impart. Um, and if they don't necessarily have one, like I go in and teach students that I don't know um, for one day. Um, I enter those classes trying to figure that out, knowing that I need to end by, by the end of the class, the students need to know what their goal is. And then we, t- we always chat at the end of the class um, and go from there. I, one of the conversations that came up while I was in Texas with both of the schools that I was working with was, um, and I did a, I did a, a blog on this, and I might have actually translated it into a podcast, I can't remember. But um, it was uh, like the, the challenges of success, like how success is exponential and it's really easy to gain success um, at first, but if you stick with that path, it becomes exponentially harder to become successful because it's like if you do a single pirouette, um, people clap and they go, oh my, oh my gosh, you did such a good job. But if three years later, you're still only doing a single pirouette, people are like, okay, well, I'd like to see something else. You show up to dance class once a week um, and you're five and people are like, wow, you're doing so good. You show up to dance class at 15 once a week. People are like, you're not doing enough. You need to do better. Um, so... That was one of the one of those like things we were talking about goals. Like as you become more successful, how do you look at each individual step that you're doing and fi- try to find even that like point zero zero one percent like improvement? Um, so yeah, an educator will make their classes goal oriented, and they won't just be like, "Oh my god, everybody's doing such an amazing job!" And yes, great. Oh, maybe just lift your leg like a little higher. Oh, try to eke out one more turn. No, 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 no. Goal-oriented classes. All the way. Doesn't matter if you're recreational, professional, or pre-professional. Every class should be goal-oriented. And as a professional, the goal might just be to warm up. But there, there is a goal that needs to be uh, obtained in those classes. Um, another thing, and I have, I have, I have issues with this and I'm trying to... I, I, some days I, I give into it and some days I, I, I let it go. Um... But not being concerned about always making it through every exercise in class. Um, you do need to find a middle ground here. Um, I, When I have like a regular tuition-based class, this is easier. I, in all my other classes, I always try to get through class. But even if I don't, I don't feel as bad about it as I did when I first started teaching. Um, sometimes you need to spend more time on an exercise. It's really hard in an hour and a half ballet class to like really give detailed corrections for more than a few things because it slows class down and you have a student try something and then they fail and you, you have to try it again they fail and then maybe they succeed maybe they don't um but um you don't always have to get through an entire class from plies at bar through to like grand allegro in center um sometimes it's worthwhile to repeat an exercise again Um, sometimes it's worthwhile to stop and have everybody do like a segment of an exercise, like over and over and over again, just so that, or to like break it down as slowly as possible and then do it at a medium speed and then do it at the speed that you want them to do it. Um, a dance educator is not as concerned about, uh, the judgment of not making it from like point A to point Z. Um, if they make it from point A to point R, and there's been significant uh, improvement and a greater understanding of information, 
that is golden. You can't really argue with that as opposed to being like, oh, you didn't make it through class. When I worked at Alaska Dance Theater, when I was the interim artistic director there, I had a class. I didn't get to choose anything. I came like as the year was starting, so I didn't have much input. I had a class of students that I did not believe belonged on point. But of course, it's a moneymaker to go, okay, well, it, we'll put you on point. Um, I didn't think they were strong enough. So um, I had them for like four months, four and a half months. We did not have a point class until like the last two weeks that I was working with them. And they had like an hour and a half ballet class and a half hour for point. Um, we spent the entire two hours doing mostly bar um, for the first like month or two. And then we started progressing to center for the third. Um, and then when we finally made it to the end of cent- the end of center, I was like, okay, we can start working on point at bar only. Um, so honestly, those kids improved like no other in that period of time. And I, I, I got a lot of flack for doing that from the administration that was already there. But um, I wanted to educate these children and I wanted to make sure that they were dancing safely. So um, yeah. Those are, I didn't expect that to take so long, um, but those are the, the things that I think are key um, differences between a dance teacher and a dance educator. So what do people have to do to be an educator? Um, I, opinion, opinion, opinion. Um, I have not attended teacher trainings. Um, I have given teacher trainings, but I have not attended teacher trainings. I do not have a degree in dance. Um, and I have not really like, spent like months and months and months sitting and watching like other teachers teach. Um, but what I have done is carefully study the teachers who I respect. I will, I will sit in their classes. Like when I do, when I go on gigs, um, whether I'm teaching or whether when I was performing or I'm choreographing, um, if there's a school that I think has like really stellar students or like a really strong foundation for those students, I will stand in the, in the doorway for like, 10, 20, 30 minutes, and I'll watch them teach, and I'll try to, like, look at what they, they're doing, because just because I'm brought in as a guest artist does not mean that I'm the best teacher there. Um, it might mean that I can give something to the students, but um, if there's a school that's really good, I, I will stop and watch the, the teacher teach to see exactly, like, what they're doing. Um, are they physically correcting the students? Do they uh, repeat things? Do they uh, over and over and over again? Do they work really, really, really slowly? Do they just have that, like x factor that they just see the student they know what what's going on with them and they can give them exactly the information that they need um but yeah so i i I have a tendency to like really study other teachers even if it's not for extended periods of time um one situation where it was an extended period of time um when i was in philadelphia i taught at koresh dance company school um and I was teaching ballet classes, but I kept on getting asked by the school director, uh, Roni Koresh's brother, uh, um, near Koresh. Uh, so Roni Koresh is the director of the company. His brother, his two brothers help him with organization. So uh, near kept on asking me if I would teach contemporary classes when uh, Roni was on the road on tour with uh, Koresh. Um, and I kept on saying no. And then he wore me down and I was like, okay, give me three months. I'm going to take Roni's class regularly. And I'm going to get like an idea um, of how he teaches his classes. So I sh- I essentially shadowed Roni in his classes. Um, I took for months and months. And then I pretty much just started off by copying his class. So at that point, I was a dance teacher um, when it came to contemporary. Um, I wasn't really teaching my own material. Um, I was kind of carbon copying. And then over the months as I 
had more opportunities because th- that company tours a lot. Um, I started to become more comfortable with teaching the material. And then I started to like allow my voice to come into play. And I started to make decisions, started to evolve his exercises. And now like there, there are influences from his class on my contemporary classes, but I am not teaching the same contemporary class that I did back in, I don't know, what was it? 2014 when I started teaching at Koresh. Um, so uh, that was a really important thing for me to do to like really study a teacher and then to copy the teacher um, and then but to acknowledge that I was copy like I wasn't like pretending like I didn't I wasn't pretending like I didn't like I, I was, it was my own class like I would be like I'm gonna give like a Roni warm up and then I would give some of my own choreography. Um, Yes. So that, that's that. Then make sure you understand what you're teaching. Um, you may not always fully understand the execution of a step and maybe sometimes you forget the terminology or the, like, in, the initial impetus for a step. And that's okay. It happens to the best of us. It happens to me all the time. Um, but just make sure that you're studying and that can be you're taking class and you're studying what you're doing and the corrections you're giving yourself and the, the, the ways that you're moving and just understanding better how you are. Cause I find I, tend to teach better when after I've taken class and figured something out, something out for myself, I'm 37 and retired, but I I still am like in the practice of that. And I find that very helpful, but also like that goes into the education part of the conversation that I was saying before. Um, If you don't understand it, find information. If the teacher training is going to be helpful to you, go to that, but don't think that that's like the only thing I'm going to talk about teacher trainings in a second, but don't think that that's the only thing. Um, find friends and don't be afraid to be like a nerd. Um, <laughs> I love talking to, to other people about dance. Um, my, my friend Alex, like we would have drinks and we would sit there and just talk about technique. Um, and it's re- and sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree, but it's information. Um, and, or like I forget a step and I'm like, what's the name of this? Or how do you, how would you explain to, to execute this? Um, it really, it really is helpful. And I think that an educator is not somebody who just shows up and teaches the class and then leaves, but they actually put thought into the class before and after the class. So I would, I would recommend, yeah, just make sure you understand uh, what you're teaching. Um, and sometimes it's, it's interesting because even though you may have all the information, um, because you're not processing it in your head every day, you might forget part of the information. It's like, there's so many professional dancers that know how to like execute steps like incredibly, but they don't remember what it was like to train the first like 10 years of their five to 10 years of their, their life. Um, and then they retire and they become teachers and they're teaching younger kids and they're giving them company class. They're not actually like remembering what it took to like build the foundation for a student. So, um, sometimes you have to refresh your understanding. You may have had it, but you, you need to refresh it. Um, but yeah, make everything you do in dance a study and how you share, uh, how to share your practice ideas, experiences, impulses, and more. Um, all right, here we go. We're gonna talk about teacher trainings. So um, what are some teacher trainings out there? Let's start. There's the ABT teacher training. That's American Ballet Theater's uh, teacher training. Um, they have a certificate program and some people won't hire you if you don't have that certificate, which I think is shenanigans. Um, there's the CPYB, that's Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet teacher training. They... Um, have like a yearly or a biannual um, teacher training that's like a weekend. Um, there are other teacher trainings like at Broadway Dance Center. I've uh, taught at several over the years. Um, and they're more like weekend supplements. And that's the program that has more offerings other than ballet. 
Um, in my opinion, all of these programs are supplemental, but I don't think that they're enough to create an educator. Um, I just think they're helpful. Um, I, and I honestly only think that these really work for teachers who already have professional experience and an understanding of like a general understanding of how to teach and have technique. I think it more just helps to like validate what you're doing and to fill in the gaps if you have holes in your abilities as a teacher. Um, you can't learn to be an educator over a weekend um, or over like a two week period. You really need to like have a, a lot of training, a very immersed, immersive experience. Um, I think that the National Ballet of Canada and there are some programs in Russia, um, I think that they're more helpful because they require teachers to be on site for extended periods of time um, versus a weekend or a week here and there. Um, they pay, often pair you up with like a mentor. Um, they let you teach as a part, like they let you actually teach the classes in the schools as opposed to just like showing you how they teach. Um, and then they critique you and they offer you advice. Um, Again, I do think that for the most part, like you have to have gone completely through your professional training, pre-professional training, um, and ideally have some teaching experience. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think that teacher trainings are, there, there are so many things, and I'm, I'm not talking shade about any of these, because there's so many things that are really just money makers. Um, and they're great. It's great to have that educational experience to connect with your community, um, and then also to support an organization through an educational experience. Um, but a lot of them are money makers to help support their schools and their companies. Um, they're not going to like make you into an educator. They're just going to like give you some, some additional information and maybe some inspiration. And like I said, connections, community networking, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, if you, if you don't have professional experience, but you want to teach, you need to learn what it takes to train a pro. Um, even if you aren't working with professional track students, there's only one way to train dancers, and that is safely and correctly, and that is that to put it on stage, whether they're going to be on stage or not. Um, it, ballet is and dance is a performing art. Um, therefore, you have to train for the performance. Um, otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe someday, I mean, go ahead, send me a message if you think that I'm wrong. What else can you train for? I know that there are things like uh, Parkinson's uh, classes that help like the, the elderly with Parkinson's with mobility. Um, that is for health. Um, and that might be one, I, maybe I just rebutted my own. <laughs> maybe I just rebutted my own argument. But um, there, in maybe I'll rephrase. There are very, very, very few instances where you shouldn't be teacher teaching to the performing aspect of dance. Um, so yeah, go ahead and send me your hate mail and your anger and uh, prove to me. Actually, be nice and be gentle and kind because um, I'm just curious. Yeah, maybe maybe give me uh, more reasons. Enlighten me. I'm not always right. I'm not always wrong, but uh, share some information with me. Go ahead. I'll give you that information in a second when I when we close out this episode. So, okay. In summation, there are major differences between a dance teacher and a dance educator. Dance teachers may teach because they want to stay involved in dance. They may teach for the money only. They may only offer a carbon copy of what they have been taught. But a dance educator, while perhaps having similar qualities to a dance teacher, is truly about imparting an education to their students, no matter what their age, ability, or potential may be. A dance educator is experienced and wants to impart their whole experience to their students. 
They think about dance constantly and they problem solve when a correction doesn't work for a student. They don't just say good job because you tried. They find ways to make the impossible possible. And they inspire dancers to be passionate about dance, not because they're passionate, but because they know the joy and wonder and amazing things that dance offers people. Uh, and they want to include those people and they, all, and they want to offer a pathway to have dance be either a minor or major part of their lives. So that's my opinion of what it takes or what the difference is between a dance educator versus a dance teacher. So yeah, I had a lot to say there. I always think my episodes are gonna be like 15, 20 minutes and then it's like 40 minutes has passed. So um, <laughs> here we are. Um, so yeah, I had a lot to say there. I'm really curious what your thoughts are on this. Um, did I offend you? Did it make you think a little bit? Did, does it inspire you to uh, seek out different ways to be an educator? Do you feel like uh, there are natural educators? Do you think you can be taught to be an educator? Or do you think it just is the person and the personality? Um, do you think you have to be a professional to be a, a dance educator? Or do you think that you can go straight from high school and become a dance educator with, without the professional experience? Let me know your thoughts. I will give you all the information in a second how you can reach out to me. Um, and yeah, that's going to be the end of today's episode. I am so grateful that you are all still here listening um, five and a half years later. It's crazy. Um, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you all again in two weeks. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. If you'd like to check out my company, Movement Headquarters, you can visit www.movementhqballet.org. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corliss. Also, my company is on Instagram at movement underscore headquarters or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I wrote for five years about dancing as a traveling independent contractor on Life of a Freelance Dancer. Um, and then I also have Dancing Off Stage, and that is a blog about the post performance career of pro- professional dancers. I also have two YouTube channels. You can check out my choreography on my personal uh, channel, B Corollas, or you can check out my company at Movement Headquarters. Thanks for listening in to Powder Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Saturday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.